Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-host and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is a special edition of Sorta Awesome created just for the 2017 Ultimate Homemaking Bundle. We know we have lots of people who are new to Sorta Awesome, and maybe new to podcasts in general, who are listening to this. So let me give you a little background before we dive into our topic today, which is all of our best motherhood hacks for stressful seasons. Sorta Awesome is a weekly podcast for women that launched in April 2015, and each week I'm joined by one of my very dear friends and awesome co-hosts, and all three of those women are joining me today for this episode. That's right, I've got our favorite Hollywood housewife, Laura Tremaine, our favorite older sister with the best advice, Kelly Gordon, and our favorite very fun and wonderfully practical friend, Rebecca Hoffer. Each of the four of us are wives and mothers, and all four of us know that there are seasons in the life of every family that are just flat out stressful. Now, Laura and Kelly each have husbands who travel a lot, which means they've sort of become experts in the role of solo parent. And Rebecca and I are married to guys whose schedules can be a little erratic, and they go through stretches of time that are very busy and stressful. And so we know that every family goes through stressful seasons, perhaps when a spouse is ill or maybe has been deployed. Perhaps one or both partners are caring for a critically ill family member in addition to running the ship at home, whatever the case may be. We sometimes have to push beyond the normal routines of family life to make it all work. And so today we have an episode that is dedicated to those moments in life when you realize you are mothering to the max. We've got all the tips and tricks you need to know how to survive survival mode, solo parenting, and stressful seasons. We're going to get to all of that in just a minute, but on Sort of Awesome, we have a tradition of starting each new episode by sharing an awesome of the week. This episode is no different, so let's do go ahead and start the show the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. Rebecca, I'd love to hear what you have for us today. My Awesome of the Week is a twist on the traditional growth chart. Okay. You guys have had growth charts maybe for your own kids, yes. or did you have one growing up maybe? Yes. Yeah. You know, you track on like a door frame or a piece of paper how big everybody's getting every year. Well, that's fantastic, except that they're not portable. And if you want to paint or you're going to move, then you don't have that to take with you. And then you have to leave all that behind. So I have this oversized wooden ruler that is a growth chart that I am just in love with. You can find them on Etsy or on Amazon. And what I love about it is, like I said, it's portable. And it's really big and beautiful. It measures up to six and a half feet tall, and it's this stained wood. And it just looks like this giant oversized ruler. And I love it. So the logistics of it might hang some people up because you think, oh, well, my kids are too big. Like, it's too late. Or how do you put it on the wall? So you can hang it up with nails, or I use command strips. Okay. 
And then I, I use an ultra fine point black Sharpie marker to just ah. put a little line. And then I put the kid's name because I have more than one kid. I put the kid's name and then I put the date that I took the measurement. And you guys, it is not too late to do this. So here is the big hack and the big secret is that it's not too late to start because you can use your doctor's medical records. Oh, that's very clever, Sneaky. Rebecca. I would never have thought of that. <laughs> so my kids' medical records are actually available online. So when I decided that I was finally going to get around to hanging up this giant wooden ruler all I did is I just pulled up the information on my computer and I just wrote it down all the way from birth it was so easy my daughter is like six when I started this and right there birth to age six all the dates you need that is was perfect that is such a good idea so clever I love it and that's so true you know we had um, a growth chart for a long time for our kids until we moved into this house four years ago and I never restarted mm-hmm. it so I love the fact that this one is portable you can take it with you that's great Awesome. Thank you, Rebecca. Kelly, what do you have for us this week? Well, I have something that's kind of a hack for your house, and it's just come to my attention again recently because here we are in the colder months, and at least where I live here in Minnesota, it's very, very dry in the cold season. Mm. And so this is a simmering potpourri for your stove. And what I like about it is that it is not overly cloying. Um, It's kind of warm, but still bright. I mean, I like to cook. I like to bake. But, you know, sometimes that smell of cookies or cake baking, as wonderful as it is, it's just like a little too much. And so we've moved a lot. We've sold a lot of homes. And I use this potpourri to sell our our houses because we would have people come in, you know, for an open house or for a showing. I would put this on the stove and it just made the whole house smell really wonderful, like a homey thing. But again, it wasn't cloying. So all it is is six cups of water, Find a pan that you want to put on your stove, and to that six cups of water, you're going to add a half of an orange sliced, a half of a lemon sliced, ten whole cloves, three cinnamon sticks, and a bay leaf. Okay, so you're going to get those warm, like, clove and cinnamon smells, but because you've got the citrus in there, that's going to brighten it and make it kind of light, and again, not sweet. So it kind of does a double duty for me. Not only does it make my house smell good, but if you're in a climate that's dry, this is going to add moisture into your air to your house. So especially if my kids have a cold or, man, I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but my kids, when it gets really dry in our house, will have bloody noses at night. Just because, you know, just it's just dry. So this just adds more moisture Mm -hmm. to the air. So it's double duty. Really wonderful scent, Um, especially, again, for those winter months when you kind of maybe need (laughs) a little warmth for your house, a little reason to be home and to feel good about it and to snuggle up under some blankets with your loved ones. I love that. Yes, definitely. I love to keep a little simmering something that really does make a difference in the way the whole house smells. Right. And you can add water to it. I guess that's one thing I would say. It's not like as things evaporate, do keep an eye on it, but you can just keep adding water to it all day. I'll let it go for, you know, 10 to 12 hours, even sometimes with the same ingredients, because it's just one of those things. You can just keep going. Sounds very awesome. Thank you, Kelly. Laura, what do you have for us today? Mine is kind of similar to Kelly's in that it can change the whole room, but the actual awesome of the week is a Bluetooth speaker. Okay. It has become so important in our family's life to have a Bluetooth speaker in the kitchen. My current favorite one is the Amazon Echo speaker. I love that for a million reasons. I've been talking about it 
all over the place, like in person, on the internet, on the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, you have to get an Amazon Echo. But really for um, purposes of what I'm talking about today, any speaker will do. And here is why I love it and why it's become important to um, our family's sort of rhythm. Um, I'm not actually a huge music lover myself, but I can't really deny the power of music to change the mood of the room or the day or someone's cranky Mm. attitude. Mm -hmm. Yes, it totally does. I'm a huge believer in that. It really can be like magic. When my kids were smaller, we had like the 5 p.m. witching hour, Mm, like tantrums and craziness always when I was trying to cook dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. I would put classical music on, and dadgum, if we did not all sort of just bliss out. I know. It's so true. It really works. It, it really works. I would just put it on, like, a Spotify or Amazon Prime, like, classical music station. I don't even care what it is. You know, I'm not, like, that knowledgeable about music. But that classical music, it really did calm everyone down. Now that my kids are a little bit bigger, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old They're both into pop music. And so in the evenings, a lot of times we have dance parties Mm -hmm. in the kitchen. Yep, yep. And it kind of gets like our energy out. If someone is cranky, which is often, it kind of ends up making them laugh. It just really can turn around a day that's going sideways. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, My oldest is 12, and I still rely on some kitchen dance parties to get everybody to kind of perk up just a little bit and make it through the rest of the evening, so... Yeah, I love that. Love it. Okay, well, this week I have for you all as Awesome of the Week a recipe, and it's just about as simple as you can get, but it has been so awesome for me lately, and that is a grown-up grilled cheese sandwich. Yum. Yes. Yummy. Yes, and so I'm going to share a couple of secrets to making a great grilled cheese sandwich, not just for your kids, but really for yourself as a treat. So at the end of the year last year, kind of over the holidays, I was in the kitchen making sandwiches for my kids and pulling out some different sandwich stuff out of the fridge. And because it was near the holidays, we had way more than usual. We had all kinds of different cheese in the refrigerator. So I was making sandwiches and I pulled out this chipotle cheddar that I'd picked up at Aldi that nobody was eating except for me, which I don't know what's wrong with these people I live with because it was delicious. Um, But so I'm making sandwiches and I was like, huh, I bet this would make a pretty good grilled cheese. So I put one together, made one for myself, offered one to my husband. He ate it and immediately turned around and asked me to make him another one right then. (laughs) (laughs) So it was so good and it's so easy to do particularly when you just need like maybe a little bit of a quick meal, you're on your way out the door, or um, or you just want to sit down and have a little bit of an indulgent treat for yourself and you don't want to eat the dino chicken nuggets again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, a grown-up grilled cheese is so fun. So you start with your bread and it can be just your plain old boring white bread that you have on hand. You don't even have to go fancy to make a great grown-up grilled cheese sandwich with your bread. Your, your basic white bread will work. Although, if you happen to have on hand something a little fancier, like a sourdough or a ciabatta bread, certainly you could slice those up and use them as well. But the biggest secret, this is probably no surprise to anyone, is butter. Oh, yes. Real butter. Using lots of real butter. Um, almost an irresponsible amount of butter. <laughs> 
really makes the difference in a great grilled cheese. You can tell I've been heavily influenced by uh, Paula Deen and Reed Drummond in my love of butter and my belief in butter that it can make anything really spectacular. So you want to slather both sides of your bread that you're using, whatever that bread is. You're, I mean, you're, it's butter on both sides for both pieces, the inside with the cheese and the outside that's going to be toasted. We recently got... After like almost 20 years of marriage, we finally got a cast iron skillet. Mm -hmm. Do you all have cast iron skillets in your kitchen? Yep. Were we, yes. were we like the last no. ones? <laughs> Rebecca, you guys don't have one yet? No, okay. I don't have one. <laughs> We've had a cast iron Dutch oven that I've used for years that I love, but for some reason we have dragged our feet on getting the cast iron skillet. So I pulled that out for this grilled cheese sandwich. You can definitely use a regular skillet. I have made many grilled cheese sandwiches in a regular skillet for many years. But the great thing about using a cast iron skillet is when you heat it up, it's going to get nice and hot and it's going to toast the outside of the sandwich mm -hmm. almost like you're searing a piece of meat. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to toast it really fast. So you're going to mm -hmm. plop it down in there, let it toast on one side, flip it, let it toast on the other. Then you can turn the heat down. And as it sits there, it just is so nice and warm that it's really going to melt all of your cheese that you have layered on on the inside. So the second secret I think to a great grilled cheese sandwich is to, when you pull it out of the skillet, let it rest for a little bit. Kind of, again, kind of like a great piece of meat. Let it have a minute or two to rest because if you cut into it right away, then all your delicious cheese is just going to ooze out. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of a bummer for your sandwich. So let it rest, let it kind of gather itself and then slice it down uh, the middle, diagonally down the middle. You could put it with a nice salad or some chips <laughs> and you're good to go. And what really makes it so fun to do this in a grown-up way is the cheese that you use. So if you only have American slices on hand, totally fine. Again, treat yourself, put two slices of cheese on there, not just one. But this is such a great time to use all of those fancy cheeses that are so fun that nobody else in your family will eat. Like maybe it's too spicy and your kids won't eat the chipotle cheddar or the pepper jack. Use that. Um, you can use a stronger flavor cheese, um, like a Swiss cheese, a um, Gruyere is wonderfully so flavorful and melty. So when you're shopping the cheese section at Trader Joe's or wherever you're getting your groceries, do another take another look at the cheese section because you might find the perfect ingredient for your grown-up grilled cheese. So. My favorite part of that was when you told us to let the sandwich gather itself. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sandwiches funny, are people but too. true. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know what I like to put in a, gr a grown-up grilled cheese? Bacon. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So take yeah. all of that and then crisp up two really thick pieces of bacon and throw those in there. Oh, my word. Yes. Definitely. You can never go wrong with adding a little bacon to anything. Well, those were our awesomes of the week. And I cannot wait to dive into this conversation with you all because I know that each of these ladies have put together some fantastic tips that really genuinely have the power to change your family's life. We're talking about mothering to the max today. Everything that you need to know to survive those stressful seasons in the life of your family. Now, we were just talking about uh, making grilled cheese sandwiches and also dino chicken nuggets, <laughs> which, which get a lot of use in my house, even when it's not a stressful season. Um, but let's start there. Let's start with food. Everybody in your family has to eat, no matter how stressful the season is that you're going through in life. 
everyone's got to eat. And so let's start with talking about food, meal preparation, meal planning, all of that stuff. Kelly, you have been solo parenting on and off for a number of years. I know that through the years, and you've got kids in age range from teens down to early elementary kids. So you're feeding a lot of people with a lot of different levels of pickiness, probably still. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear some of the meals that you have found to be great go-tos for solo parenting seasons. Yeah, well, and I'll back up just a little bit here and say kind of how I got to this process. You know, when my husband first started to travel and my kids were really young, it was not as often as he is now. Now he's gone almost every week. Um, But back then it was more like there was a conference season or something. So then he was going to be gone. So in those situations when I maybe even had a baby and he was going to be gone for a short time or a very intense burst – it was all about survival. You know, if it was mac and cheese, that was the dino nugget season. You know, it was just getting through whatever I can make that's quick, fast, and easy is it. But as we started to go on and he kept traveling, you know, I started to think, you know, this isn't sustainable. I don't want to eat mac and cheese for dinner every night. They don't want to eat mac and cheese for dinner every night. I have to find a way to find kind of a happy medium because I do like to cook. And when my husband is home, I actually make like real meals, you know, like kind of from scratch. It's fun for me. It's just something that also helps my family to have to have a diverse mix of flavors and tastes, you know, that when the kids say, I don't like that. Well, if I've cooked this and dad's home and this is a real food, I don't care. You're eating it. You know, like this is what we do. But when he's gone and I had to kind of come up with a new plan, I decided I'm going to focus on two things. One is that I want what I'm going to be feeding my kids and myself to be semi-healthy and kid-friendly. This is not food that I'm going to have to want to fight them to eat. You know, I will make the soup for my husband and I that no one else at the table is happy that I'm serving. I don't care. But not the nights when it's just me solo parenting. I have nothing left to give (laughs) by the time we get to dinner. And so (laughs) it has to be something that at least two people are like, yay, I love this dinner. (laughs) Instead of, you know, them all going, we're having that I don't don't like that. So I'll give you a few examples of where I've landed. I would say at this point, I probably have 20 different meals that I would say are my solo parenting meals. And I just kind of rotate through and try to mix things up. But they're all a little bit semi-homemade. Again, stuff that's somewhat healthy, but that is easy. So my number one go-to for easy, kid-friendly, healthy food is my salsa chicken tacos. They're made in a slow cooker. This is something that in our hangout group is very popular, (laughs) and it's for a reason. It's got about seven ingredients. It uses chicken thighs. You dump it all in. It looks disgusting. But you come back eight hours later, and you have this wonderful shredded chicken taco meat that you can use on anything. So if you have kids who like taco salad, they can do that. If you want to make them into just plain old tacos, you can do that. You can make burritos. You can make burritos for the next day. You could make um, chicken quesadillas. So there's so many uses for that chicken taco. My kids all love it. We do Taco Tuesday pretty regularly when their dad is traveling. And that is my absolute number one go-to, my easiest thing to make double or even triple of to give away to friends. It's super, super easy. But I also do things like spaghetti and meatballs. Mm -hmm. I have a Trader Joe's near me. I'm a huge Trader Joe's shopper. So Trader Joe's has what they actually call party meatballs. So they're a little smaller. 
right? Uh-huh. So I make a homemade marinara that is really, really simple. It's like dumping in a can of tomatoes with some olive oil and onion and garlic. And so you're just making your own sauce. It's a little less sweet. I just like it better than the jarred sauce. But if you like the jarred sauce, by all means, I've just never found a brand that really did it for me. So I make my own marinara, throw in some meatballs, you know, for the last 10 minutes, basically by the time my water's boiling for my pasta, throwing in the meatballs into the sauce boom, everyone's happy. And again, I think another thing that's nice about all these meals is they're a little bit customizable even for the kids. So I have some kids who are like, I like plain pasta. Don't don't touch my sauce onto my pasta. That's fine. I will put the meatballs over here with a little bit of sauce on it and we'll put the pasta over here. You can make it however you want. So another one is orange chicken. Oh, also, yeah. you can get that at Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. Costco has some orange chicken. You know, so you're going to make the orange chicken in the sauce. I have a wonderful... Alton Brown does a baked brown rice. So again, super easy. You can Mm -hmm. put some brown rice in the oven. Maybe my kids, I have half that really like roasted broccoli. So you can put that in at the same time. That's right. Okay, I just fed my kids brown rice, broccoli, and chicken, and they were all happy. Some kids don't even like the sauce. I only put the orange chicken sauce on half of it. So it's essentially chicken nuggets. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like just pieces (laughs) of fried chicken. Yes. But hey. They're all happy. We've That's done, it. like you talked about, um, grilled cheese. I'll do tuna melts or grilled cheese. Again, you can customize to people who are like, I don't like tuna. Fine, here. This is an easy meal. Get some pickles. We make it fancy. Um, we do <laughs> rice and beans, um, chicken drumsticks. I just discovered this probably within the last year. I don't think to make chicken drumsticks a lot, but my kids think it's like the coolest thing. Oh, yeah. So just, just the drumsticks. Yeah, Those right. Are so always I just a buy, hit in our house. Yeah. Right. Just drumsticks. And actually, like, lots of times it'll be a leftover night for me. I'm not a huge fan of um, dark meat. So I'll just have leftovers, but you can make up a big batch of chicken drumsticks for my kids. And I have a great recipe that's for cheesy broccoli rice that I serve with it. And again, I can put the broccoli in after the kids who don't like broccoli have already taken out their cheesy rice, and then they have carrots. So it's all about trying to find ways that are easy for Mm -hmm. me healthy and that I know my kids will eat. So that's kind of where I've gone. And the wonderful thing about this is this is my real life. My husband's gone just about as much as home, especially on school nights. I really need to be able to focus on my kids. We have four kids, as Megan mentioned, you know, teenagers down to young elementary. I need to be able to focus on setting the mood in our home and getting them through the homework hours and all of those things. I can't be fussing with dinner and I can't be wasting my precious mental energy after, if I'm already going to have to force kids to do their homework or to clean out the litter box or whatever, I can't be wasting the energy on just trying to get them to eat dinner. So those are my kind of like where I've fallen, but it really can apply to anybody. Uh, you don't have to have a traveling spouse to make these kind of meals work for you. I think that they really work if your spouse um, works odd hours. So they're out, you know, picking some meals like this that are kid friendly for your family that are easy for you, um, somebody who gets sick for a season. And so then you're thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to do all this? Just taking down the expectations a couple notches possibly and finding what works for you. That's been my absolute lifesaver. And we've really gotten into a good rhythm now for those solo parenting times for me. I really like that. Laura, you have had to figure out from the very beginning of your motherhood journey, how to navigate the solo parenting stuff having a husband who is a producer and director in the entertainment industry means that he also is traveling and not really on a set schedule ever. So I know from the beginning, you with your two children have had to figure out how are you going to feed these people healthy things that they'll eat. And so I would love to hear from you kind of what you have figured out for that works for your family. 
Well, my husband travels a lot, but it's really sporadic. So we might go through a season where he is gone, um, you know, for just a few days here and there. Then we have a season where he is making a movie or a TV show and he's gone for weeks at a time. And sometimes we don't know the schedule until like the day before. Mm. Right. Yes. <laughs> and that and that has been our reality since, you know, before we had children. That's just the way our life works. So I'm still on the earlier end kind of of what Kelly just described to my kids. I have a first grader and a preschooler and um, they are picky ish but we're still in kid food land for sure and so what I actually it's one of the few positives about my husband being gone is that um for dinner it's almost easier because I don't feel like I have to feed another adult (laughs) (laughs) right totally so I don't have to make a meal um that has all the food groups (laughs) right those pesky food groups forget them because it's just my children right (laughs) um but i'm actually kind of serious about that it's a lot easier to make to make kid food so we still do you know like a mac and cheese night pretty regularly if if my husband's out of town now, a couple of my fallbacks that I actually do enjoy is breakfast for oh, dinner. Yes, definitely. That's a big one. My husband doesn't like that. And so it's kind of like, you know, a fun treat for all of us. I, I like to make French toast. I mean, sometimes I will do frozen waffles, you guys. Like, I, it is like truly breakfast for dinner. But then I'll also like scramble some eggs or do some bacon. Um, it's It's really easy. My kids feel like they're you know, doing something kind of not naughty, but you know, it's like, it's like really against the rules for them, you know, to have breakfast for dinner. And then, um, another one that I do, and this is not all that original, but sometimes I feel like people just need permission to do this. We full on load up and go to the McDonald's play place. Yes, we do. Yes, that's right. Yes. My husband would never do that. Not because he, I mean, he just doesn't, like, that's just not how he wants to spend his evening. <laughs> what? So weird. I know. <laughs> so I will put, and this is usually like, um, if if mama's really tired, <laughs> we, we get in the car like early, like at five, and we go to um, the Chick-fil-A play place or the McDonald's play place, whatever. I bring my Kindle. Yep. My kids are big enough now that I don't have to be like eyes on every second. And they play for like an hour. I read my book. We have some chicken nuggets. Life is good. Yes, I know. I have done that many times too. Mm -hmm. Especially when when he's on a longer stretch of being gone, then I don't, um, I have absolutely zero parental guilt of doing the play place dinner. On it. I I get that. That's a big one for us. Another one that we do, um, this is kind of a special thing for my kids and, and we do this sometimes when Jeff is in town as well. But the Pioneer Woman has a recipe called Simple Sesame Noodles. I got it out of her cookbook. It is available online now. We in our house call them counter noodles because I put my kids up on the counter and they get to dump all the ingredients in. Um, it's kind of like a light toasted sesame garlic noodle. It's just like a mild – It's a, my kids don't love – traditional spaghetti sauce Mm -hmm. and spaghetti. So it's kind of like our version of that in our family. And they think it's fun to do counter noodles because, again, they sit up on the counter. We put 
the soy sauce in and the garlic in and whatever. It's very easy. In fact, I've written out, it's like five ingredients and that like includes the pasta. I've written it out and taped it on the inside of our spice cabinet door. So I don't even have to get, I don't even have to pull the recipe up or get the cookbook out because we make counter noodles so often. So just having like kind of little traditions that are really easy for me, but my kids think they're special, like the breakfast or dinner or the counter noodles. That's special to them because it's like outside of normal dinner realm. That's how I handle our meal situation. So do your kids eat at the counter then, Laura? You know what I let them do? I uh-huh. give them forks and they eat it out of the mixing bowl sitting oh on the counter. Gosh, that's so fun. I love that it. That made me think that's something else that we do is we eat more at the island when my husband's not home, which also helps me. It doesn't feel like, well, we all have to be here to sit down together, even though I really do value that, having a mealtime together, just kind of standing or sitting and eating. And I'm even half the time getting things out of the fridge while we're eating. Even that is just a great survival technique. Like, hey, it doesn't have to be so formal. It can No, and that's one less dish to wash, right? They literally eat it out of the mixing bowl with their forks. And again, they think they're getting away with something. And then I'll also throw in, you know, a protein or something that they'll eat. But it's all very easy and uh, they sit on the counter, literally. So fun. I love that. I love that idea, too. It's just building in little treats. It's a treat for you, a treat for them. So fun. Rebecca, I wanted to ask you about something that I know you do so much better than I have. I always have the best intentions of putting together freezer meals when I know, when I can anticipate that we're going to have a long stretch that's going to be a little bit stressful. I always think I'm going to do that, and I never have. But you have done this before, and I would love to hear what you have learned along the way about freezer meals. Well, yeah, like you said, this is something that I do in anticipation of busy times. And whether that's, you know, a new baby coming and trying to fill a freezer to prepare for that, or even just, you know, just a random night that I just, all my energy is spent and I just can't do anything else. And the idea of standing and cooking in my kitchen makes me want to die. Then, you know, that's when you pull out one of your freezer meals. But Megan, No one listening is going to think, oh my goodness, I have never heard of (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) You know, people know that this is an option. You know, ignorance is not the problem. The problem is, for people who haven't given this a try yet, is that they're probably believing a freezer cooking myth. Maybe that's my problem. It could be. So here's one myth about freezer cooking is that freezer cooking equals casseroles. Right. Yes. And, you know, for some people, casseroles are good, fine and dandy, but then other people think that they taste like bland mush and how dare you even suggest such a thing. But I go beyond casseroles quite a bit. You know, you can freeze soup. You can freeze things that you prepare in your crock pot so you're freezing all the ingredients together Mm -hmm. and then like you're literally letting it thaw maybe a little bit and then dumping it in so it's actually being prepared fresh or you can freeze parts of meals like taco meat or I have this honey mustard chicken recipe where I dice up the raw chicken and then I put it in the sauce and freeze it in a bag like that then when it's time to prepare it you know I've let it thaw you dump it into the pan put it in the oven put some rice on the stove, and that's it. But the, the 
the easiest stuff is all, I mean, it's all done because you've already chopped up the chicken, you've made the sauce, but you're preparing part of that meal. Or it could even just include pre-cooked meat to make regular meal preparation easier. So wait, pre-cooked chicken. Here's my question. Here's my aversion to freezer meals and why I don't do them. Number one, I don't eat casseroles at all, period, under any circumstances. <laughs> Freaks me out. Number two, I'm always afraid it's going to taste weird. Does it taste weird? Does it taste like freezer burn? No. No, it doesn't taste. It tastes like food. Like even when you said, does it taste weird? I'm like, well, maybe you need to clean your freezer. Like, I don't know. What's weird? What's going to be weird about it? My freezer is actually really clean because I don't freeze any food. I mean, there are some foods. I will say this because I have done kind of both. I mean, there are some foods that aren't great candidates for freezer meals. I think that's why casseroles kind of got the reputation that they did is because they do freeze and reheat well. There are some things that are going to reheat mushy or is are going to have like a dryness to them because, you know, like they were enchiladas. Now they don't have enough sauce, whatever. So uh, you do yeah. have to find, I think. And maybe it's even family specific, possibly. You know, like what yeah. reheats well? What will my kids eat? You know, like my kids don't mind mushy vegetables. And other people are like, oh my gosh, my kids will not eat them if they've like simmered in a soup for three hours, you know, sort of a thing. So, yeah, if their mom says things like casseroles freak me out, <laughs> then they might have an aversion to freezer cooking. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm sure they will. I pass along my neuroses, as a good mom does. <laughs> But, you know, there there are some options, like maybe just freezing the taco meat or, like I said, freezing parts of meals. There are some soup mm-hmm. recipes that, I mean, it makes absolutely no difference from day one to two months from now in the freezer. But, you know, another myth about freezer cooking is that it takes a ton of time. Mm-hmm. And I certainly have done it where I have planned an entire day that I'm making like 20 different meals and they're all going in the freezer and you end the day exhausted, but your freezer is full and you're like, I am woman, hear me roar. This is amazing. But that's mm-hmm. a lot of effort and a lot of planning uh-huh. and a lot of cost mm-hmm. up yeah. front. And it doesn't have to be that way. So what I prefer to do is to sneak it into my mm-hmm. regular cooking, which you would call like batch freezer cooking. So essentially, I make multiple batches of one dish. We eat one mm-hmm. of them fresh that night for supper, and then the other extra pan or two goes into my freezer, and then I can pull it out mm-hmm. later. So as I'm preparing for the upcoming birth of my third baby, um, I have been really intentional about squeezing in some freezer cooking. And my goal has been that at least one meal every week is a freezer-friendly recipe that I can double or triple and then eat one that night as I prepare it and put the rest in my Mm -hmm. freezer. And it's been going really well. And I'm really excited about the variety of things that I have waiting for me in my freezer. Do you have an extra freezer or does it just go in your regular fridge freezer? I do have an extra freezer in my basement. Like a chest yeah. freezer, a because, big freezer? Yeah. Well, mine's actually a stand-up okay. freezer. Oh, wow. But, I mean, that's yeah. personal preference. Yeah. But I really like that because I can see mm-hmm. things and I mm-hmm. don't have to dig right, as right. much. Yes. Um, I feel like with a... With a What's it called? What did you chest say? Freezer. Yeah. I feel like with yeah. I feel like with a chest freezer, you have to be pretty organized and strategic and making sure that things don't get lost in the bottom. Yeah. Which 
could make them taste smelly. <laughs> taste funny, weird, whatever Lauren said. Okay, those were fantastic tips. I do have to say, I have fallen prey to both of those myths. I also am not a huge fan of, of casseroles. I don't know that I would go so far as to say they freak me out, but <laughs> not a big casserole person. And I do have this idea in mind that I have to have one whole day dedicated to prepping everything to go in the freezer. And that has just never really worked out. So I love both of those, um, the way that you have shown us that it doesn't have to be the case for either of those things. So getting together meals, preparing meals, getting them on the table, that's part of everybody's daily routine when it comes to family life. I kind of want to expand a little bit and let's talk more about those rhythms, those routines, those schedules of daily family life and how we adjust and cope when we're going through a stressful season. Again, Laura, I know you have been working around um, a, a strange schedule sometimes, a spontaneous schedule since you began parenting. So I'd love to hear what works for you and your family in this area. So Jeff's spontaneous schedule means that I have to be more structured for myself and the kids or we would just all cry all the time. Okay. Um, part of that's my own personality, but I also think that most kids thrive a lot on structure. I know for sure mine do. Um, but because not only does he travel a lot, um, he often works late, even if he's in town or whatever, there has to be some reliable things in place. Sure, yeah. And in our family, um, it's schedule, pretty much. So, and, and we're able to do that because, again, they're on the smaller side. They're starting to have activities and stuff. But I'm not necessarily planning around 43 different, you know, activities or kids. I only have two and they're small. So a thing that we have always done since the day they were born is um, protect our day around morning wake up and bedtime. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. For our family, that is really important. So we have the same morning routine, whether Jeff is in town or not, and and on the weekdays, and pretty much on the weekends. Um, we get up at the same time. They eat the same few things for breakfast. There's rules in place where they cannot come downstairs to the... Um, kitchen and until they're dressed and like ready for the day we do let them wear jammies on the weekend but like they sort of know the rules they're not i'm not like um mean about them they're just sort of like that's the routine Mm -hmm. and if one of our kid comes down on a thursday in their jammies like we're like oh no 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 what are you doing (laughs) right and they have to go back up and change i don't know if they've lost their mind for a minute we have like really specific things that we do and that keeps Everyone's sane and keeps all expectations on the same level. The other thing is bedtime. This is really important because my kids and me (laughs) get really awful in their head if they don't get enough rest. Uh Yes. Um, We all get cranky. And so... I'm really protective of our bedtime. We travel as a family a lot as well. And same thing. We, our bedtime routine is five minutes. We do not have one of those parental, like, um, I don't read long books to my kids at bedtime. I don't anything because the most important thing to me about bedtime is the actual time on the clock. Mm -hmm. Like we need to be in our bed sleeping 
by a time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I'm trying to get a certain amount of hours of rest right. into their little bodies. And so um, I've gone through like very, like I've gone through phases where I thought, oh, am I like missing out on lingering bath time and rocking while I sing every night or whatever? And that's just not like, that's just not what works in our family. <laughs> we are in the bed and we are sleeping now. That's what we do. So sort of having that parentheses on our day is really, really important. A lot of things are different in the middle. I'm a work-from-home mom, so I have a different schedule every single day. My daughter is starting to have activities after school that's kind of changed the middle of our day. But we really protect our routine. And um, I didn't mention this when we were talking about meals, but we also have some really specific meal routines that go into our larger week. On Friday night, we do pizza. We order pizza. We watch a movie every Friday night. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless there is like a big event or something, that is what we do. Every Sunday morning, we have Sunday Mm -hmm. pancakes. It's sort of our like sacred family time. We all make the pancakes together. We all eat the pancakes together. We talk about our week. Um... It's a really sort of like what we call our family's reset. So that's around meals. But I have structure, like small structure and big structure into our day, not just because we're in a crazy season or because Jeff travels, but because it just works for my brain as kind of the um, social commander of the ship, if you will. Sure. Yes, absolutely. That makes so much sense. I can definitely see that. Kelly, how about you? Is is your setup in terms of routines, rhythm, schedules, is it similar to Laura's or does yours look a little bit different? I would say there are some things that are similar. I hadn't really thought about it until, Laura, you were saying all of that. But yes, you know, kind of having a, this is what we do in the morning. This is what we do in the evening. Sort of, maybe I would call it a little bit looser because my kids are different ages and the schedules tend to change a little bit more. That's true. But I would say even more than that, what I had to figure out, because I had four kids and we are partly in some seasons where there are more things going on, I had to kind of make the mental shift to say, this is me solo parenting. What can I do by myself? What am I willing to take on and be responsible for? And if I'm saying, well, I could do that when my husband's home, or when he's here to help me, we can get that done. But when he's not, it's going to be a stretch. Then I say no. So what it kind of turned out to be was that I have learned the value of white space in solo parenting. Like naturally, I'm a person who likes to cram more things in my schedule than I can possibly get done. Um, And I certainly did that, I think, at the beginning of when my husband was traveling, especially when it was more sporadic and it would just happen and then not, or he was gone every other week. So you're thinking, well, just the weeks he's gone, we'll just get her done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I learned is ain't no way to live. Because what that did was it made me cranky, which in turn made the kids cranky or the kids were cranky, which made me cranky. And so there was no enjoying of life. It was grit your teeth and get through the week. And so when I realized that that was half of our life or more, I thought I don't want to grit my teeth for my life to get through and survive this. Hmm. So I had to say, I, in our whole life, do not do anything that I can't do by myself. I cannot expect my husband or someone else to step in and pick up a kid or do this. Can you get them from practice? If I can't manage it and manage it well by my own self, I don't do it. And I don't have any other drivers yet. So, yeah, so smart, Kelly. That is so smart in terms of just like being so proactive and realizing like this is our life. This is our reality week to week. 
And how am I going to build my children's childhood around this? Right. So brilliant. I love that. And it really came down to, I want to enjoy my kids. Um, So I realized that it was always just managing them. If I'm like, we've got to get to this activity. This person has practiced. Have you done? I told you 20 minutes ago to do your homework. Why are you not doing your homework? Did I tell you to get in the bathtub? Who did not flush the toilet? You know, like if it's this every evening, all evening, you know, again, ain't no way to live. It was just too miserable. Everybody was cranky. And so I was like, we have to create white space. So we generally don't allow more than one kid per season to do a big activity. Right now, that's not a problem because I have a 13 and a 15 year old, like one of them kind of trades off and neither of them are super activity heavy kids. If I had a kid who was, you know, in soccer year round, traveling soccer or hockey, something that does take up a lot of, I would probably have to rethink how I was going to do this because if my kid wanted to do it, then you feel like, well, what can I do to make this happen? But right now they're okay with that. With me saying, if you're going to do the fall play and he's going to do baseball in the spring, then like, that's all I can do. No, no one else gets to do gymnastics every week. No, like, no, I can't do that. It will be your season in winter if you want to do, you know, a dance or something like that. I just physically cannot drive all these people, manage all the schedules, kind of keep some of the routines that Laura's talking about in doing that. So what it ends up being is just a lot of white space. When my kids are home, especially now that they are all in school during the day, that is really my sacred time. I don't commit to doing things in the evening. I don't meet friends for dinner. I don't try to even find babysitters and do stuff because it disrupts the routine of my kids, like having me there. And this is how we're going to do homework. And yes, you really do need to hang up your jacket. I have been totally serious about that for the last six years. Like you may have thought I was joking every day, but yes, no, we really do do those things. Like we just need to stay on top of things. And when I don't have commitments, um, and I don't have them having commitments that I have to get them to, it just makes the whole evening so much more pleasant so that we can then enjoy something. You know, we can eat dinner and play together. I can play a game with somebody. I I can maybe linger over bedtime with somebody because we didn't have this like stressed, rushed evening where you're kind of feeling like you're at that breaking point all the time. So having white space and just making the mental adjustment, first of all, that I have to be able to do this alone. Are you willing to do whatever you're committing to by yourself? And then saying, I just have to have enough white space that I'm not rushing them. You know, having four kids, pushing them to do things. There's always at least one person in my family, for sure, who doesn't want to do whatever we're you know, going to do. So that pushing of them all the time, like trying to get them, get your shoes on, go do this, we have to do, that is draining for me mm-hmm. as a mom. So it's just it like, is. I don't want to have it to is. push all the time. I don't want them to hear me pushing them all the time. That's not yeah. a happy environment. So just having that space where we don't have to be rushing is key. I love that. That is so valuable. Now, Rebecca, your husband doesn't necessarily travel quite as much, but you both have busy schedules. You work from home and and he is um, out speaking in the community and doing things like that often. And so I know that you have a great need to be on the same page, just schedule wise, as in an actual literal calendar. So I know you have some tips on sharing calendars and how you can be on the same page together um, through even the most stressful of seasons by using calendars well. Yeah, so like you said, my husband, he is the director of a homeless shelter, and he works about an average of 55 hours a week. Um, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. But um, And a lot of those hours can sporadically be in the evenings or on weekends. And he has worked there for years, and for years, I like... <laughs> I like never knew 
when he was going to be home. And so we would have these what we called calendar meetings. Yes. Yes. Because I was, okay, I was really resistant to moving to an electronic calendar. I loved my paper calendar. And so we would have these calendar meetings and he would pull up his calendar and I would pull up, I would get out mine and we'd be like, okay, what do we have going on this week? And I'd write it down and he'd write down what I have going on. And then what about the the rest of this month and anything I need to know about the next two months? And we'd like fill things in. But even just sitting us down to have a calendar meeting <laughs> felt exhausting so finally last year I was like you know something has got to give because this just stinks I mean I used to feel like I couldn't schedule a haircut for myself in the evening without talking to my husband first and getting like three or four dates when I knew that he would be home you know yeah that is that's exhausting after a while yes well yeah and then you start to feel like oh well your life is easy because you know I'm gonna be here with the kids but when are you I mean and then resentment comes and that's no good so I was like okay I'm gonna try this shared google calendar and I know like half the people or more listening just rolled their eyes like um hello what year is it (laughs) why are you talking about this there's this website called google (laughs) yes we should know about this by now where have you been but you guys giving up a paper calendar is kind of a big deal if it's like what you love Mm -hmm. but like I said for my husband's work schedule it just was crazy and he would have stuff all the time so I finally set it up where we have this shared calendar so each of us have our own like personal calendar and if I have something going on during the day like mom's group at church I'll put that on my personal calendar but anything that he has going on in the evenings what would be considered normal family time he puts that on our Hoffer family calendar and I do the same with you know meals out or holidays or any anything else girls nights you guys I can schedule a girls night and a haircut and anything else I want and just put it on the calendar and not feel like I'm you know, checking in first right. <laughs> to make sure he'll be around. It's been phenomenal. And then I also have a calendar that I use for like work stuff, like online stuff and, you know, all that stuff. But it really has been a huge help. And then another thing that I do to kind of just keep track of the chaos of everything, because I have a preschooler and I have a first grader, is I have a command station for school oh, that's here so at home good. in the kitchen. That's so important. Yes. And I feel like that's something that any mom who has at least more than one kid or even just one kid in school, like you, you kind of instinctively end up creating this. But for the kid, for the moms who kids are on the verge of going into school this is something that you need to think about is where are you going to keep track of the schedule because you think oh well they're going to school every day and then they're coming home that's the end well no because they want to pack on this day and they want to buy on this day and on this day it's spirit day and on this day they're supposed to take this with them and you're like oh my word this Mm -hmm. is a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I have my kids calendars for school hanging up inside a kitchen cabinet so I open up the door to the cabinet and it's all right there and again as I'm preparing to have another baby I feel like this is just going to be setting my family up for success that Nate is going to be able to step in to my role even easier now that we have this baseline of schedule organization covered so 
I like that. I like that. Rebecca, I don't think you and I are like naturally organized people by personality and temperament. So mm, yeah. no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not either. But it, we just have to sometimes adjust and figure out what system is going to work best for me, even if I'm not naturally inclined to think like this. So I love those tips. That's so important. One thing I was going to throw out there really quickly, um, this doesn't have to do with husbands traveling or, or being at home or anything like that has more to do with just the day-to-day management in the true midst of survival mode. So uh, we have four children. I have girls who are middle school and elementary age. And so we have four-year-old twins. After they were born, I had to completely shut down a lot of all of the extra stuff that was going on in life and all of the expectations that I had for myself as a mom and figure out how to just get through the day, managing the schedules of two newborns and on through infancy and who who was last fed and who when did any of them get a bath and all of that stuff. It just became critical that I figured out how are we just going to survive these first months of a family of six and having twins. And so it was during that time that a dear friend of mine, Erin Odom, you may have heard of her blog, The Humbled Homemaker, shared with me this idea of conquering three Ds, which is making sure each day that you have a plan for dinner at some point before four o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> that you do one load of laundry, and that you stay on top of the dishes. And so I put that system into place for for myself to get through survival mode. And I'll tell you what, not only did it help me in survival mode, all of those systems I have kept, we're way past survival mode, but we're a really busy family of six people. And to this day, I make sure that I am managing those three Ds every day. So every morning, first thing, when I get up and I'm waiting for the coffee to brew, I unload the dishwasher so that throughout the day, There are no dishes in the sink, no dishes on the counter. They can go straight to the dishwasher. Every day as I'm kind of going through my checklist for the day, I am making sure even at 8 o'clock in the morning that I have an eye on dinner and I at least have a fuzzy idea of what we're going to have for dinner. And also I'm running through a load of laundry so that I never feel like, oh my gosh, nobody has underwear around here. Nobody's uniforms are clean. We're all freaking out about laundry. I never had that feeling. And those three things have saved me through our busiest seasons. Even when survival mode was over, we all have busy seasons. And that has been extremely helpful to just streamline it down to those three things to keep the family running. So speaking of keeping the family running, I wanted to talk a little bit before we finish up this episode about taking care of ourselves. Because women, when we are the wives, when we are the mothers in the family, a lot of the responsibility for the energy that we bring to our family, to our family culture, it it falls to us. We have to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of our families, even in those busy, stressful seasons. So Kelly, I wanted to ask you a little bit about this. You have spoken before on Sword Awesome so wonderfully about self-care and self-comfort and the difference between the two and when is the appropriate time to, you know, to really maximize each of those ideas. So what we said is that self-care is something that is more long-term sort of a thing. Self-comfort is more something that you would do in the immediate 
to deal with an immediate need. Um, we're not saying so that everybody is on the same page that one is better than the other necessarily. They're both necessary and good in their proper time. And really, when you're in a stressful season of parenting, you probably need both. Um, you need a long-term strategy for dealing with whatever you're dealing with no matter how long it is. I mean, I have tons of friends in the military. If you have a spouse that's deployed for six months a year, that's pretty long term. It could just be a week-long conference, but your spouse just doesn't travel. So this is new to you. Whatever your long-term thing is. And then letting self-care be more of being really aware of yourself and listening to yourself, which is something that I don't think we're always good at. We're focusing on other people's needs and what what needs to be done to keep the kids happy, the house running, but really trying, even in a stressful situation, to listen to yourself and say, what is happening here? Am I grumpy because no one's listening to me? Or is it actually that I did not get enough sleep last night? Or I haven't even eaten any protein today and I've been living on cereal for the last three days, which hello, I've done that before. Um, Trying to say, you know, (laughs) what do I need right now? Has it just been a really hard day? Was there, you know, a kid or a situation that just went horribly south? And so you're saying, I just need to not fold the laundry tonight. I need to go to bed early or I need to read a book or I need to not read a book. I need to watch a TV program. Those are all self-comfort sorts of things. But I think when you're talking about self-care, you, you do need to lay more of a foundation of a strategy. So even like for me, white space is that kind of self-care. I know that I can't be too busy, even though that might be my natural inclination, because I am not truly caring for myself and that I'm not truly caring for anybody that's in my household as well. Exercise, also something that helps me mentally, physically, in all the ways to stay both plugged into myself as a person, as someone who's not just a mom and a caretaker of people. Um, but it also just fuels me for, for those sorts of things. So yeah, so really just making sure that you know the distinctions between the two, maybe assessing what do you need to be able to go into this stressful season or to survive it? You know, what can you use day to day in the self comfort sort of category? And what do you need to really care for yourself in the long term? That's so true. So true. Laura, I know you have kind of gone on a journey of figuring out what works best for you in terms of caring for yourself, in terms of managing your own energy. You are somebody who is introverted by personality, by nature. And yet when you are solo parenting, it is a lot of being on. You are on as the mom and you're also you know, managing your job responsibilities and all of that stuff. So what have you found works best for protecting your energy and caring for yourself? As a pretty extreme introvert, I have to take protecting my energy really seriously or like all the wheels fall off. (laughs) Absolutely. I can get really crazy if I don't A, get enough sleep. That's just me. That's not necessarily introverted trait. But what I do really seriously need every single day is alone time. My kids are big enough now that I can certainly take a few minutes and go to another room and read or something like that. But honestly, if you're a truly deep introvert, that is not enough. Hearing the kids, um, having a lot of energy in the house still, even if you're not like immediately in the same room, it still um, doesn't let my mind settle. And so it feels very self-indulgent, especially when the children were little and you feel like you have to just like be like staring at the baby all the time. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> but I realize that I can't just go to another room or step outside for a minute. Although those are, you know, if you're in a really bad place, 
do what you got to do. But I really need to build in like an actual hour of quiet. So depending on what's going on in our life, that changes. Uh, Last year, I was getting up before the children did for about an hour and having time to myself. Now my child has to be on the bus really early, so that doesn't work for me. So I try to take it after they're in bed. Um, You know, now they're both in school, so there's times during the day when I'm not working, when I just take an hour. A key to people who are maybe just figuring this out about their introversion is I actually have to have it like literally quiet. I can't have the TV blaring um, even though I'm the type of person who likes to have a podcast on or the news going, I, I I have those when I'm cleaning or something like that. But when I'm really trying to bounce back or feed myself, I have to have like literal quiet. Mm-hmm. So important. I think that that's important. I think that's a common trait. And I think sometimes people who will be like, well, I went to the grocery store by myself. That should have been my recharging. No, it might not have been. I mean, for some people it might, but it also like, that's very stimulating. Mm-hmm. Um, you're making decisions, you're around other people, you've had to fight the parking lot, like whatever. That's a, that's a task. It's not the same thing as actually like feeding your self care of needing, like, I actually need to be alone or reading a book, writing in my journal. Um, I, there's a hundred things this could mean to you, but, um, Maybe just watch yourself if you're kind of trying to figure out, like, how can I get my energy back or my myself back or my days back? Kind of just watch how you feel. This has a big, been a big thing for me this year. If I am doing a task, I'll be like, how do I feel right now? I'll, like, check in with myself. If I am – sometimes this happens when I'm working. Like, I'll be doing something while I'm working, and I'll be like, oh, wait, I'm actually really enjoying what I'm doing in this moment. Yeah, yeah. And you just make a mental note of like, I like this particular aspect of my job. And then say, when you're doing something like, this is such a drag, why do I do this every day? Um, Just make the mental note, this is something I actually am not enjoying, even though I know maybe I should be or some other people do. I am not right now enjoying this. Now, obviously, in our days, we're going to have a little bit of both. But I think if you're aware of those things, then you can like create structures around those things. Like, I absolutely know that I hate doing the dishes, so I'm going to do that first so I don't think about it all day and it drags me down. Or whatever. Or like, I really enjoy this one thing of my job. I'm going to see how I can do more of that thing. Like, just staying super aware, checking in with your body, checking in with your spirit, um, it really makes a difference. I think we a lot of times when your kids are little, you're just getting autopilot. Like, I have to do this, this, and this. It doesn't matter what order. I just have to do it. Um, and you get like that. And I think, like Kelly was sort of saying earlier, that's maybe not the best way to live out these days. So, so true. Mm-hmm. Can I say something that's also like the opposite kind of what Laura just said? When I had new babies, lots of times people would say to me, let me come and watch the baby so that you can just go read a book or go be alone, you know, that sort of thing. And oftentimes I didn't take them up on it because there was this little nagging thing in the back of my head that said, I don't really want to go do that. Am Mm -hmm. I broken? Like, isn't everybody supposed to want to go like read a book and be alone? And it wasn't until I really understood what extroversion and introversion meant to me that I realized if somebody had said, why don't I come watch the kids so you can go meet a friend for coffee? I would have jumped at the chance because that would have energized me. So the same sort of thing what Laura is saying is like you've got to know yourself. 
You've got to know how your energy levels are being and flowing at the time in that stressful situation. So for some people, they might say, absolutely, I have got to have some quiet. And for other people, it might be, I have to meet a friend for dinner. You know, I will pay for a babysitter to get this. It is that necessary for me to be able to go do this. Absolutely. Rebecca, you're also more extroverted like Kelly and I are. Have you found that this is something you've had to kind of navigate and figure out how to balance, especially in those stressful moments, whether it's new baby season or husband's out of the house working a lot season? What does it look like for you? For me, one thing that helps that's kind of a Band-Aid on the situation is if I go out of the house with Mm -hmm. the kids. So even if I'm taking them, you know, out for ice cream or I take them to the library, just getting myself out and around other people, even if I'm not even really talking to them, but oh, look, there's another (laughs) grown-up. You know, just having that positive energy from other people being around really can lift my spirits. Because for me, it's when I've spent too much time inside the house just talking to little people that I start to feel like I am going to lose my mind. And for times when that's not possible or something else that just helps in general for me is the beloved smartphone app Voxer. Absolutely. I love this app. We have talked about it time and time again on Sort of Awesome. For anybody who is not aware, it's like this walkie-talkie voice messaging app. You can have chats with other people who also have the app Um, so get your friends to sign up you can have group chats so my closest girlfriends and I we are constantly chatting on a group chat in there and about major life events crisis going on as well as just dumb things like guys I don't know what to make for supper tonight what are you guys having and just having that conversation that's ongoing on my phone that I can tune into whenever it's convenient for me is just absolutely huge. And then, you know, my husband and I know that when things settle down or when he's back, um, it's extremely helpful for me to be able to schedule something to go out and to refresh myself. So my girls and I, we have a regularly scheduled girls' night that we do like every six weeks. It's on that shared Google calendar (laughs) (laughs) to help protect it. And that's just really vital for me. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, leaving the house whenever possible, even with the Mm -hmm. kids, um, that that really does help. You know, I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but when the twins were little, when they were new babies and when they were um, in, on through infancy, I w- I'm the same way, Rebecca. I will, I just got to get out of the house. Even if the kids are with me, I got to get out of the house. I would take the twins out. We'd go to Target. We'd go to the grocery store. And just having people, you know, people like to stop moms with their twins and talk about how cute they are and, oh, are they twins? And ask all the questions. That was so helpful and restorative to me just because I would get so sucked into the stress of having two newborns to care for, two babies to care for. And when I got out of the house and people were like, oh my gosh, look at your little twins and you're doing such a great job. Just strangers in Target, you know, are saying this. I would leave feeling like so refreshed, like, okay, I'm still a human being and I actually am kind of, I'm like making this work. (laughs) So I'm a huge believer also in getting out of the house sometimes. You just need that. So I think a huge thing that I'm hearing each of us say through all of these categories is figuring out what works 
for you. I think in these mothering journeys of life, sometimes we hear all these different messages. In in our brains, we tend to latch on to the things that we're not doing. So we might hear somebody say, oh, have somebody come watch the baby so you can lay down and take a nap. And you're thinking, I don't even like naps. So now what do I do? So we tend to latch on to the things that don't work for us. It takes a lot more effort and energy to figure out what is going to work to fuel us as people to get through these difficult seasons. Well, we would love to follow up with you all as you are finishing this episode. If you're brand new to Sorta Awesome, let me tell you where you can find out more about us and about our show. On our website, sortaawesomeshow.com. You can find links to show notes from all of our past episodes. You can listen directly to past episodes from our website. And if you have never listened to podcasts before, and you're kind of wondering how this all works, you'd like to learn how you can find more podcasts to listen to, we have a guide for beginners on our site as well. SortaAwesomeShow.com slash Podcasts 101 will help you find all of the information that you need on getting started as a podcast listener. We are all also on social media. If you'd like to find us and talk about some of these ideas we have shared today, Rebecca, remind us where we can find you all around the web. You can find me on my blog at simplyrebecca.com, and then I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at simplyrebecca. Okay, Kelly, how about you? I'm at Kelly at Lovewell on Instagram and Twitter, and facebook.com slash lovewellblog. Okay, and Laura? You can find me on Twitter as Laura Tremaine, and I'm on Instagram as laura.tremaine. Okay, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at sorta awesome Meg. Our show is also on Instagram if you'd like to check us out there at Sorta Awesome Show. You can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. We also have a private hangout group for the listeners of Sorta Awesome that you can come and check out. You can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout and find us there. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffert, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome.